the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. We are going to cover a topic that we've actually been wanting to cover for quite a while. And um, it has to do with concussions. Uh, We realize that across America, kids of all ages participate in a wide range of contact sports. And for many years, athletes were viewed as extracurricular Uh, Athletics, excuse me, were viewed as extracurricular activities and contrast that with today where commitment to athletics are really taken much more seriously. High schools and colleges treat athletics like big business and sports are now viewed as a career path for many aspiring athletes. That's right, Rebecca. Universities across the country are increasingly pursuing pre-high school students with scholarships to attend colleges through participation in athletics. You know, just in 2017 alone, one Division I college football coach offered scholarships to students in the sixth and seventh grades. Wow. But see, not to be outdone that now. That seems a little crazy. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's really <laughs> become just a, a, a business venture. In fact, the University of Illinois, they recently offered a football scholarship to a 10-year-old Pop Warner football star. Wow. So as an increasing number of children are making it their life ambition to play contact sports, more information is simultaneously available to us concerning CTE. The acronym stands for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy, which is a progressive degenerative disease of the brain found in people with a history of repetitive brain trauma often found in athletes that play contact sports. The debilitating condition has been in the news headlines the last few years as it was found present in the autopsies of many former professional football players. Mm -hmm. Yes, becoming much more well-known in the football realm. And in stating the obvious, head impacts that lead to concussions in contact sports continues to be a growing epidemic among among our young athletes. So when left undetected or not recovered from correctly, the results can produce long-term brain damage and may even prove fatal. But what are the, some of the dangers that are associated with suffering brain injuries in contact sports? What signs should parents look for if they suspect their child has suffered a concussion? How can parents help their children along in the treatment process as they seek to heal from these injuries? Dr. Brian Kress is joining us in studio this morning to discuss this very important and timely topic. Dr. Kress is a pediatrician at the Stillwater Medical Group and has been practicing medicine for 24 years. And he has had extensive training and experience with concussions. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Kress. Good morning. Glad to be here. Yeah. And I I just have to say, Dr. Kress is a longtime family friend of ours and actually treated my children. One of my sons actually had a double concussion two days in a row 
And it was pretty scary. He ended up in the hospital for a few days and had some memory issues. And um, we had to really take it easy for a little while with him. He was about in fifth grade, I think, when it happened. And we were thankful to have you there to help us through that experience. So um, anyway, we're going to jump right in with some questions for you today, Dr. Kress. And feel free to expound on them as much as you want. And and, uh, we'll look forward to hearing your responses. So let's just jump right in with the first question here for you, Brian. Um, Our concussion may be caused by a blow, bump, or jolt to the head or by any fall or hit that jars the brain. Would you describe for our listeners what exactly happens to the normal functions of the brain when a young person suffers a concussion? Absolutely. That's one of the uh, surprising things to most people is that uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hit right to the brain. Mm-hmm. It can be something that jars the uh, the brain through a, a concussive kind of wave of energy from when, when a body gets hit in another place. Okay. The concussion is caused by the by the brain uh, um, rotating or, or banging against the inside of the of the, of the skull mm-hmm. after after uh, after a blow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, what that does then is it, it kind of fires a multi layered neurometabolic cascade of depolarization or discharging of, of electricity in the in the brain and the nerves. Uh, mm-hmm. This is followed by a buildup of lactic acid, and just like our muscles after we work out, uh, a decrease in blood flow, which then in, in, in impairs uh, glucose or sugar delivery to the brain, which is the brain's favorite food. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then, then as the brain starves of, of blood flow and sugar, uh, then it, it impairs function and uh, neurotransmission gets, uh, gets uh, um, compromised. Wow. Wow, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, when you stop and think about what you just described there, that's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are happening that really cause the lack of function, isn't it? It really yeah. is. You know, the, I, I kind of consider the brain maybe as one of the last frontiers of understanding. You know, mm-hmm. we know a lot about the liver and the heart and all that, but you know, really how the nerves connect and how they interact really is, is I think, you know, still a big black box out there. Right, um, right. But uh, it, it, the, the interesting thing about a concussion, they're really, at least right now, there's no um, clinically available or easily available available testing for, for concussions. There's, sure. there's some talk of some biologic markers or some some functional MRI scans, but mm-hmm. those really are just uh, for really done at this point in, in research uh, right. capacities. They're right. really not done in, in anybody's mm-hmm. clinic that, that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really a functional or clinical diagnosis, not a, uh, um, there's no structural abnormalities or, or damage. Once, right. there, once there's brain damage, then that's a whole different... That's a whole different realm. That's the know. traumatic brain injury, and that's what I used to work with a long time ago at, at St. Paul Ramsey. Now, the brain, yeah. you know, it basically is floating within the skull. Is that correct? I mean, as it floats, it, when it hits, like, the the inside of the skull, I mean, right. does it bend, or does it just suffer a bruise on the very direct point of contact? I mean, how... You know? Well, yeah, I think it's kind of... Uh, you know, right, your brain is kind of floating in the, in the cerebral spinal right. fluid, and it's a fairly thin layer, but uh, there's <clears throat> there's both injury as the as the brain hits the the skull on the on the front side and then there's kind of this reef reef reactionary blow as it recoils kind of a whiplash type of thing so sure. so there's you can both have injuries both where the where the initial initial injury is as well as where it rebounds and bounces mm-hmm. off against the other side of the brain but there's the a counter coup yeah right mm-hmm. the coup and, coup and counter coup exactly mm-hmm. so there's but, but with concussions um 
I think there's there's more oftentimes more rotational. There's twisting and turning, which uh, kind of shears. I feel like it shears some of the the, the neurons and and again depolarizes them and kind of messes up all the the blood flow and sugar metabolism. You know, it it really helps to hear you explain that in detail, just because we we we've had some students at our school. Uh, who have had concussions and then with lingering difficulties as a result of that concussion. And it's hard to really fathom why that would be when you consider that a concussion is considered to be less severe, you know, than a traumatic brain injury, Mm -hmm. a a more permanent sort. And so when you describe the detail of what's really happening in a concussion and the inability for the blood flow to be as proper and for glucose levels to be um, at optimum levels, you can then see why you would end up maybe having some lingering results where it takes a while for all of that to kind of go back into... To reset. To reset, yeah, to go back into the proper flow. Well, it sure does. And just like um, uh, some people recover from a twisted ankle faster than others, right. some people um, uh, recover slow, more slowly from a brain injury. Yeah. But uh, it, it is, um, it's a very unique um, situation for yeah. each, each person. Yeah, for sure. So a concussion injury can involve someone losing consci- consciousness, but the majority of the concussion injuries involve no loss of consciousness. Is either one of these scenarios more dangerous than the other? Well, in the past, we used to uh, uh, grade concussions on a mild, moderate, severe, or one, two, three kind of scale, mm-hmm. and then, and then um, based on people, and then based on our judgments of of the mechanism of injury, how it happened, and and the the events after the injury, and then and then uh, um, the, the description of those events, we would then um, classify them in mm-hmm. that in those in that in that classification pr- uh, process, and then develop a return to play. Uh, sure. kind of a, uh, um, protocol based on mm-hmm. that or, or recommendations. Now it's just it's a yes or no answer. You either had a concussion or you didn't. Uh, okay. So uh, um, certainly the the more severe injuries generally are going to give you more more uh, commonly less a loss of, of consciousness. consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are those are going to be more severe. Um, there's also uh, situations where where people are awake and and alert at the scene, but they have amnesia. And so, if you ask the patient, mm-hmm. they'll say they've been knocked out, but everybody around them saw that their eyes are still open, and and even if they were talking, hmm. but it's uh, so it's not only Interesting. The, you not only have to interview the patient, but people around the patient to um, uh, to realize really what what happened. Yeah, right. because I suppose there still is a big difference, as you say. If there really was a loss of consciousness, there probably is a, a, a at least a risk for a little bit more severe injury. They're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. generally speaking, yeah, that's going to there's going to be more energy that has been transmitted to the brain, more in more or more energy, more injury to the mm-hmm. brain, and and yet more cautious with evaluating and, and managing those patients. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, interesting. Yeah, you talked about events that are really key and crucial in terms of the recovery process. We'll talk about that more next week when you join us in studio in terms of the nursing back uh, to optimal health. But in the meantime, I want to spend some time discussing different symptoms that a child may experience after suffering a concussion. And before we do so, could you tell us how many hours from the initial blow to the head can symptoms from a concussion really begin to surface? Concussion management, diagnosis and management, from my from what I've seen in my reading and, and going to meetings and conferences and, and talking to, to sports medicine docs and neurologists, it's really, um, there's a lot of personal opinions and a lot of uh, style that people people play into this. So uh, um, 
the the concussions can the symptoms can be present immediately with uh, with when they get your bell rung and you're and you're a little dizzy coming back to the huddle in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it can uh, be a matter of a few several hours or a day or so. But I think the uh, the the quote that I've heard consistently is soon after an injury, and that's mm-hmm. there's a lot of interpretation with that. But it's probably mm-hmm. within a day or two, I suppose. Okay. Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of other things that look like concussions. For example, you know, again, a, a big hit can can give you a whiplash type injury, and you can get have headaches that show up a couple, three days later, but right. is that really a concussion or not? Mm-hmm. Probably not. You know, when we talk about symptoms, we can break that down into several categories. There are physical symptoms that a child may experience. There's also cognitive, emotional sleeping pattern changes. Why don't we start off by talking about maybe what some of the common physical symptoms are to one who experiences a concussion? Sure, sure. Yeah, some of the most common things are certainly headaches. Uh, people are dizzy and fatigued. Uh, they will feel slowed down. Um, that they're, they're walking through molasses. They're drowsy. Uh, sometimes have difficulty with concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, some of the least common uh, um, symptoms, things like vomiting. Um, there's not, not a Particularly common in in the in the all the symptoms associated with with concussion, uh, numbness and tingling, uh, that would certainly uh, lead you to believe that there maybe there's some other more significant injuries. Um, sure. um, they're not just a, a, a soft tissue injury, I guess, or or, or something more more significant. Uh, sometimes some there's some mood changes, some sadness, increased emotions, but those are those are not the ones we see most frequently. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you bring that up because with a lot of people that are suffering from CTE as they give kind of their testimony about what's going on in their lives, they talk about dealing with depression and like with outbursts of anger. And so maybe that's not just associated with the concussion or the repetitive concussion. Yeah, I think with CTE, and I, I, I certainly don't know as much about that, but the uh, uh, CTE is probably uh, is, is more of a, a function of, of many, many concussions or many, many micro concussions maybe even. And uh, then at that point, you're st- actually starting to see some some changes of the brain, some some um, scarring uh, sure. on one sort of the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we talked about physical symptoms. How about uh, some of the cognitive symptoms that might come along? Sure. So, so uh, kids will, along with the feeling slowed down and drowsy, they they have a hard time uh, concentrating. The bright lights in the in the school will will uh, exacerbate some of their symptoms, um, but they're they, they have much more difficulty with uh, with processing information. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about emotional symptoms? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rebecca. Well, I was just going to say this is some of the some of the things that we're actually seeing um, with some of the students in our school that have had concussions or repetitive concussions that. Um, it really can affect their schoolwork, and it needs they need to. Some, one one girl actually wore sunglasses in class for a while to help with the bright lights. Um, uh, one we had to kind of uh, reduce the amount of work that she was doing for a period of time until she could have the concentrating the ability to concentrate well enough to be able to process quickly enough to be able to complete all the work. And this is a very bright girl. So it is amazing how much of an effect it can actually have. Well, like a lot of things in, in life, I think there's, it's like a, it's like a, a spider web. You know, you've got, uh, you, you mentioned sleep disturbance. So kids can't sleep. They have trouble with daytime drowsiness. They have trouble falling asleep. They have trouble staying asleep. If they're not getting good rest, that by itself can cause problems mm-hmm. with attention, focus, mm-hmm. and, and schoolwork. Then then you, you add in, in some of the other symptoms the dizziness, the headaches, that's very distracting. And, and it really kind of, uh, it really, mm-hmm. everything kind of like a tidal wave kind of comes down upon these guys. Right, right. Mm-hmm. How about uh, the emotional symptoms? <clears throat> 
Yeah, that's uh, um, you mentioned some of the uh, the teariness, the um, the aggressiveness, irritability. You know, really too much of that though is you have to be careful that that's not just from a concussion, that there's some other kind of uh, um, other kind of injury, like a, a sometimes there's bleeding around the brain called a subdural hematoma um, or, or actually a, a contusion of the brain itself. Uh, if there's too much <clears throat> too much emotion, I think it's, it's uh, you just have to be careful that it's, you, you write it off all, too much to just the concussion itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good point. Well, and I know that that is one of the hallmarks of head injury is to have changes in your personality or exacerbation of your previous personality in ways that um, are kind of surprising or inconsistent with what you typically were. So mm-hmm. um, I can see where that would maybe be more than just a concussion. Mm-hmm. That is kind of your point. That, yep. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. Well, studies show that less than 50 percent of high school athletes will report their concussions because they feel pressured not to. So just how dangerous is it for a child to play sports with a concussion? Well, th- this whole um, reporting thing is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, there's some testing, some pre-activity testing that kids will, will perform called IMPACT testing. And I'm going to blank on what IMPACT stands for as an acronym. But it, it uh, um, it's, a, it's a computerized test that uh, um, kids will, will take. Now, the problem with, with getting this testing is that when kids are growing and developing, you sometimes have to repeat it as early as, as, early as every three to six months because mm-hmm. their brains and, and bodies are changing so rapidly. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like, a, like an eighth grader, ninth grader, if you get a pre- uh, pre-sports, pre-hockey f- physical with an impact test, uh, you know, if they're going through puberty rapidly, gee whiz, halfway through the season, it's it's invalid. Right. And, right. and uh, <laughs> um, I mean, people argue whether, how, how valid those are anyway to, to help manage a concussion, but mm-hmm. it's uh, um, it, it's invalid to begin with. Now, I've heard rumors, or it's been talked about in conferences, that that the, you know, high school students and, and college students, they're not, they're not dumb. They know they know about what, what these mm-hmm. impact tests mean or what, what these mm-hmm. things. So they will I've heard rumors of kids faking the testing. You know, oh my kind of, kind of throwing the test to get so to that get, they can keep playing. Right, they get mm-hmm. a kind of a lower score, and honestly, whatever that is, I'm not sure. <clears throat> a lower score, and and so then when they do get a concussion, they can return to play more quickly, which oh is uh, so there's kind of pre-injury, pre you know not uh, you know the kind of. Shenanigans, Based I guess. On, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then and then afterwards, uh, um, kids don't want to be taken out of the game. Yeah, and so they they yeah. will will buck up, and you know, there's a lot of sports that 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 um, kind of honor toughness like that. Yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. uh, um, there's again, even I've, I was at a meeting once where a sports medicine doc played a, a video of a of a of a play in football, and the, and the wide receiver went out and caught the ball and just got got blown up and stumbled up and and kind of made his way back to the huddle and he, and he had just told us about how getting your, your bell rung was mm-hmm. was you have to be taken out to the sidelines to be evaluated and uh, then he said but but th- this kid is okay he, he made it back and, and explained it well then i don't know a minute later he said oh by the way that was my son oh my goodness thought, whoa you you're just, kidding yeah so it's really um, wow, there's there's so many layers. So, so the <laughs> the students don't don't report. The parents don't want to report. <laughs> even if you're a sports medicine doctor, <laughs> right? right. But it's a culture in a lot of sports, though, too. I mean, even especially back in the '70s and '80s and even the '90s, if you had your bell rung, you went over to the sideline. What's your name? 
what city are you playing in? Go back in, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. And yeah. it, was, it was not uh, drawn out and nearly investigated to the extent that we see it being done right. to today. Right. Yeah, I think we have some standardized sideline protocols. Yes. But uh, mm-hmm. you're right. It's, and they're quite extensive now, too. Yep, yep. Yeah. But they still have to actually do them. I mean, right, they've know, got the to kids, pass the protocol. Right. They have to Theoretically. But I'm just saying if the kid, if the, the kid, it sounds like not, not all the kids actually end up on the sidelines. Right. You know, if you go right. by this example that Dr. Cross just gave us, yeah, they still, they stayed in the game, even though he got his bell rung. Right. Right. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Well, and I know there's pressure from all sides. It's not just the, I mean, I think in most cases at the high school level, it's the student's own pressure. They want to be in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that there's pressure from parents and coaches and what have you especially if it's a really good player. Uh, nobody wants to lose that good player if off their team. It's an important game. If it's an yeah. important game where they've got playoffs coming up. Yeah, it's a it's a tough, it's a balancing act. It is. It and really back to is. your question, your initial question about how dangerous it is, it really kind of depends on, on what stage, if they've had a concussion, what stage of recovery they're in. Right. You know, it it will um, it will if if they've had a concussion, it slows down slows down their reaction time, their protection time, and so they're like like you mentioned with your son, mm-hmm. he, he, he that second injury may not have been as, as significant had he been able to protect himself. Right, right. It just, it just kind of slows everything down. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. That's a really interesting point. Well, student athletes uh, who are risk or they risk experiencing second impact syndrome as a result of playing sports with a concussion. Can you explain for our listeners what this syndrome is and what the physical consequences can be, even if the head blow would be deemed minor? Kind of like you were just saying, actually. Right. Yeah. So, excuse me, second impact syndrome really um, started off as a relatively controversial thing. It was, I think it was made, it came out of a couple of anecdotal uh, or case reports uh, um, that came kind of relatively close together uh, several years ago, but it's uh, it refers to either death or severe neurologic injury that's attributable to massive swelling of the brain uh, to those who sustain a second head injury uh, prior to the full recovery of, of, a, of a concussion that they've already occurred. Okay. Um, again, it's, it's controversial. Um, it's uh, possibly due to that inherent ability to protect themselves mm-hmm. uh, the second time around, but it, it's... Um, uh, I I hear a lot of debate about that itself. It's it's a hot button issue for sure, and whether it's really real or is it is it just the the second injury was so much more devastating than the first. It's um, sure that's hard to separate. Oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. it really is. It really is. Mm -hmm. Now, is that something that's being talked a lot about at the um, professional football level as well, or not so much? Is that is this kind of limited more to our our K twelve sports? Do you know? Well, in college. so I always tell people when they come to see me, you get a lot of my opinions. Yeah. And so, 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 <laughs> well, that's what we have you here for, right, is for your opinions. Right, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, to, if you really go through, and we'll talk about the return to play protocol yeah. uh, 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 next time, but uh, um, it's really a minimum of five days. Wow. Right, five or six days, a minimum, and 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 so when I see you know a professional football team playing every week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you can clear somebody going through that return to play protocol, which is really pretty standard, no matter how mm-hmm. old you are, or where you're, where you're really? at. Okay. I don't know how you clear somebody in six or seven days. Right. Right. Consistently. Right. So that's it, very interesting. It, uh, um, mm-hmm. so I, I, 
on, on Sundays, I keep my mouth shut. Right. <laughs> well, people have heard that enough. <laughs> right. Well, and obviously at that level, we're talking a lot more money is at stake with these players. And uh, so that's why I was that's why I asked the question. I'm wondering, are they as upfront about these issues at the professional level as they are at the K-12 and the college level? Sounds like maybe not. <laughs> I, I have my suspicions, that's right, for sure. Right, right. And that's really a double-edged sword because, you know, you talk about how much money is really at stake with these games. But the problem is, is that once the career is all said and done and these athletes are experiencing these symptoms over the course of time, then they bring lawsuits against the league mm-hmm. and they're having to dole out money mm-hmm. later on in the future. So I'm just kind of curious, not that this has to be answered today, but just curious that at some point that K through 12 in college, in professional uh, sports, if there is going to be a very specific set of guidelines and they cannot be violated for this, you know, protection of what it could cost financially mm-hmm. down the road later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very possibly. Very you know, possibly. You know, one sport that I've honestly wondered about uh, in terms of, you know, concussions is soccer. Because players are always using their head to headbutt the ball. Now, we know that the ball itself is not heavy. But, I mean, there's a pretty good velocity on the ball when it's moving as it makes contact with the head. And, and, and the soccer player, you know, jerks their head forward to make contact with the ball. So can a headbutt of a soccer ball produce a concussion? And if not, does the constant head contact with the ball produce an accumulative damage to the brain over time? Well, right. I think it, it certainly can. It, it, um, as we've seen with uh, a lot of different injuries, it, it, it varies um, dramatically on how much what, how much of an injury, how, how heavy, a blow, heavy a blow it takes to cause somebody to have a concussion. Several years ago, there was a, uh, a headband being being sold for for um, soccer players. I remember that, yeah. and the kids didn't want to use it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. nobody did. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how what I mean. It's still the in, you know the energy still transmitted into your brain, and I don't know where it would go other than that ring around your head. Well, they had there was a there was actually something on that headband. It wasn't just a headband. It had like a maybe three inch long by one and a half inch or two inches wide. Like, I don't know what it was. It was like a plastic thing. It was something that I think they thought was supposed to kind of deflect that energy. But I see what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know whether it was not cool, whether it was... No, it was not cool. I had soccer player kids, so I know that they did not want to wear it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, But yeah, the ball, my goodness. Some people can really kick that ball. But I think there's some... Like with with car accidents, you know, if you you know it's coming, you can kind of steal up a little bit and kind of brace a little bit. And I think that probably plays a role. In, in in how somebody's how somebody, how somebody responds to a, to an injury and and your likelihood to to, to getting a concussion uh, certainly in my in my practice I see probably more more kids with concussions from soccer who get blow get a blow from the, on the side of the head that they never saw coming uh, mm. uh, rather than uh, rather than going up to head something um, or, or they, contact with another player type well mm-hmm. they, the ball comes from, from their side or or when they're going up to head head a ball with somebody else and they bang heads together sure. but mm-hmm. it, it's it's a kind of an unexpected blow rather than a um a ball coming at them that they can they can that get they ready can for it mm-hmm. clench up with mm-hmm. okay do you know if there's any truth i just heard recently that there is a difference in males and females in terms of the ability to absorb a head um blow mm-hmm. not blow but a um for the soccer the headers that they do that for some reason the female head is not as 
this just sounds absurd to me, but I did just hear this recently. Yeah, I, I want to know if there's any truth to this. I don't know. I don't know the base for that, but I could I could speculate that maybe uh, uh, a male's bones are a little thicker. A little. That's little, what it was. That's what they were saying. Yeah. Uh, now that you denser. say that, yeah. And, and their muscle mass around their neck is going to be able is going to be generally bigger and stronger. Okay. To be able to to brace for that. Um, that's 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 what it was. I, I didn't remember the whole piece of it, yeah. but you are right. That's exactly what they were saying. So I yeah. guess that does make sense. That, yeah. To a degree, but in medicine, one thing I've learned is you you just never you, you expect the unexpected, and yeah, and you know sometimes we we have a hard time explaining differences mm-hmm. between the genders or whatever, but uh, um, it is it's, mm-hmm. it's fast. There's never a dull moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, and I do know that concussions, you know, they do they cross all ages, all boundaries, and and we are seeing we do we see a lot of them and. Uh, as I told you at the beginning of the show, my son experienced that with Dr. Cross a few years ago, a number of years ago now, and it's pretty scary when you see a child, um, especially your own, that is suffering with memory problems and that sort of thing. So it's it's kind of it's a scary deal. Well, we are very glad to have had you on the show today, Brian, and we are going to have you back next week. So I hope our listeners will tune in next week again as we talk about some of the recoveries from concussions and kind of how to deal with it going forward forward. But it's been a very informative show today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. And we'll see you next week on Education Nation. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.